when we suck, it's usually a defensive issue. Lately, it has been for yeah. the past, what, 12 years? What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Todd Marchant episode number 26. How's it going? It's going good. (laughs) So for those of you listening, we're going to record here now in our original spot. This is where this whole thing started, hey? True. That is true. Uh, it is uh, Mother Nature One, Sean's truck zero today. Yeah, this is one of the problems with working from home is that my truck sits for multiple days in a row and I forget to plug it in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It It is minus 20, 27 when I got out of the car. So, But yet it's supposed to be something stupid like minus four tomorrow. Yeah, I don't really understand how that's supposed to work. I think my dog's going to appreciate it. But <laughs> outside of that, I don't understand nature whatsoever. Yeah. But we had to get it done today. Uh, we got lots to talk about. Like four games to kind of talk about. We're gonna we're gonna do it in a little bit different manner today. Um, I think we're gonna try things out. See what you guys think. Uh, we're open to feedback. Like, um, please reach out on our YouTube videos, our um, our, our Twitter, any kind of feedback that uh, you have. Send us a, a message. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go less into games in depth as we have been in the past, just because like I mean you can there's how many highlight shows out there, right? Eh? Well, exactly. Like previously, what we've kind of done is just recap each game individually and then cover a couple news topics. But yeah, I think we want to discuss more the team as a whole across all of those games versus just each game individually in a vacuum. Yeah, and it's getting to the point where we're starting to see this team develop kind of an identity and themes progressing um so uh we'll we'll just dive right in and uh yeah start just with the recapping the results here we're recording here tuesday night before the arizona game tomorrow uh the oilers since we've recorded last with a 5-4 win against chicago um that abysmal effort in minnesota the night afterwards a 5-3 win against montreal on saturday night and then a 3-2 loss to the caps so uh, we have a plenty of different areas we could start with, but we actually, uh, let's go to the Minnesota game to start off. Uh, we got a DM sent to us on Twitter, uh, from our friend Carter Potts over at the, uh, the quack report. Uh, he's been a, a listener for quite a bit and he's been chiming in and he asked a very good question, which I think is going to start off the, the podcast on a little bit of uh, debate here. So I'll just go through and read it. And then he has a question at the end. Uh, he says, I'm not sure if you have on your radar, uh, but is Jack Campbell the guy to blame for the loss of the Wild or in general for his poor performance? Skinner hasn't been fantastic of late either, but he's at least to steal games and make the saves he shouldn't, unlike Campbell. Um, in my opinion, Campbell makes the saves he shouldn't and doesn't make the saves makes the saves he should and doesn't make the saves he shouldn't. He's the definition of average goaltending is what, is what we knew when we signed him. Personally, I think poor defense makes Campbell look bad because he's not making these game-saving saves. Uh, If this team gets another top-four defenseman, I think Campbell's numbers skyrocket. Um, Basically, his question is, 
Uh, well, he, he finishes by saying, I think it'd be nice if Nurse could be that guy as he has the hockey IQ for it, but I think he takes too much pride in his offensive game to transition. So his question, what are your thoughts on this? Is the defense the problem or is Campbell the problem? And for funsies, you can't blame both. Interesting. Well, thanks first for Carter for reaching out and giving us this fun topic to talk about. Um, before I get into any of that, there is one thing I wanted to mention, and it's Nurse and his hockey IQ, because I would argue it's the opposite, where he seems to have all of the tools and seems to lack the hockey IQ and makes boneheaded plays constantly. Just going for the jugular right off the start, eh? Of course. I like. I mean, and it leads into that I'm going to say that I think the defense is the problem more than anything else. But, like, I do agree that we need to rely on Nurse because he is our number one defenseman. He's getting paid the most back there. He plays the most minutes. But, goddamn, does he play like a fucking AHLer sometimes. <laughs> like, he'll have an, a great play where he skates up the ice, carries the puck, makes a great transition play. And then the next play, he'll just be picking his nose in the corner while there's a guy wide open in front. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean... I think when I think of the the term hockey IQ, I think of potential as being big and kind of what you know is there in terms of intelligence in the cerebral part of the game. I think Darnell Nurse has it in spades. I just, the connection between his hands and his brain, I don't know what has uh, kind of gone on in, in the past couple, well, it's kind of been hit or miss. It's been a roller coaster this season, it feels well, and that's really what it comes down to is like one game he'll show up and be like the best defenseman. Or even shift to shift, it seems like it changes. Think of the game where he um, made the breakout pass up to McDavid in overtime. And that was the one where he initially, in the first period, he made the boneheaded play where he went down on one knee to block the shot when it was going wide and there was nobody around him. And it ended up on one of the player's sticks. I can't even remember the game now. Yeah. Um, and then he came back and made a great play, great composure. It's just so inconsistent. It feels like he's like he just panics under pressure sometimes, and then especially in the defensive zone. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I I can definitely see. Um, I I agree that there's an alignment with him, like focusing on his offensive game a little bit. But I'll I'll just pass it over because it feels like a perfect segue to to the taking the defensive side of this question, I guess. Well, like, the defense in general and the defensive system has just been terrible. I don't know what it is. Whether it's in the Washington game, I swear to God they had, like, 12 odd man rushes in the first period alone. It was just chaos. Like, guys pinching, guys not covering properly, forwards not coming back to cover for the defenseman. Like, I don't know what is wrong with the system with the defense. And it's not necessarily the defense in the defensive zone. It's just like the defenseman in general where they're not meshing well with the forwards, like I said, where the defenseman will pinch, but the forward doesn't come back or the forwards aren't like back checking properly or anything like that. Because there was also the three, the three on two goal where there was just no man and he just had a breakaway, drops it, passes it to a guy who's wide open. Where's the forward on that? Yeah, Uh, I I don't disagree with that. Like I had those in my notes just with the. some of the stuff I wanted to pick apart with the defense, but um, I, I think Jack Campbell's got something going on between his ears, and I think that, like, I know it's it's tough to look at his uh, his Minnesota game as just like one example, but like there is a number of things that I wrote down from that game. One being uh, just the first, I think it was the first uh, rush that he uh, Boldy came in, rips it off the post. Like his angles aren't there, 
Um, the rebound goal that uh, Eric Erickson X scored, like the post on the the breakaway in the third, they uh, Sam Steele almost got one on a one-handed just like tip that was like rolling towards him. Um, granted, he got it, so I'm not gonna take that away. But like the one thing that I'm noticing um, from Campbell, and I know he's a smaller goalie than Skinner but he's using more effort to get to certain parts of the net. Like you're seeing two slides when he's pushing from one side of the uh, net to the other. And I think that's just because he's not confident on his angles. I think he's overcorrecting himself and he just can't do it with the timing that he has. I am not saying that our defense is perfect, but I think Jack Campbell is more of a liability right now than the impact of what our defense is having on at least the goaltending situation here. The reason I disagree with you and like, I don't think Campbell's been good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yes, Skinner has better stats, but his stats don't seem to matter. We lose anyways, because they get five odd man rush goals a game because our defense is in terrible position. And then it's at that point where you can't blame the goalie. Mm-hmm. There's so many goals this year that Skinner's given up. For example, that I'm like, he didn't have a chance. He didn't have a chance. And even Campbell for that matter. And the problem is a lot of it is like Carter mentioned in his comment that Campbell makes these huge saves and he looks great. And then he just gives up these absolute stinkers constantly. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I don't (laughs) understand. Like, like you said, there's something going on between the ears. Yeah. And I hate that he said, we can't say it's both the problem, but like (laughs) they are both the problem. But I think the fact that Skinner is also struggling to win means that we're having trouble defensively keeping the puck out of the net when we require four or more goals to win every game like we don't have we don't stand a chance i think we've given up one goal like a a one goal game once this year yeah otherwise it's two or more every single game yeah it it seems like we can never win a game like two to one or anything like that well and you saw it in the chicago game like they were up they're up four to one yeah i even was saying to myself this has been the best most complete game they've played all year it was about 50 minutes into the game. They were playing great. And then they completely fell apart in the last, what, 10 minutes. And they're lucky as fuck that they had a three-goal lead. Yeah. I, I honestly can't argue with that. Um, I I just I don't know what's going on. And the one thing, like, the defense is clearly not helping the team. Like, they're not. Um, I think that Jack Campbell's just... You got to wonder if I keep, I'm trying to think this thought out in my head. I might as well just talk about it. As a team, you're heading into this season. You've got a bona fide all-star. And I say that with brackets and air quotes for everyone listening, um, who had an insane start to last year. He signs a $5 million contract. You got to wonder at the start of the season, if when Stuart Skinner comes in to play these games, the team has a little bit more jump in their step to be like, look, we've got a rookie goaltender in here. We don't know what we're getting. I, do you go into the same, like you should obviously, but do you go into a game with Campbell starting, especially at the start of the year, and figure, you know, we've got a a good guy back here. We can rely on him. I would think that may have played into maybe the first three to five games that maybe Skinner played in the net and Campbell was playing in the net. But at this point, I would certainly hope that the team realizes that Skinner's exponentially better than Campbell has been. But that's so that's why I say that because I wonder, like, to Carter's point, like, Skinner, 
feel bad saying this because he had like an insane game against Washington. But like the last few games before that have been kind of melancholy and they aren't necessarily his fault, but the defense seems to be kind of falling back on that point. I'm kind of going against what I just said two minutes ago, but I don't know. Like, is there a mentality that this team has with the confidence they have with the guy in the net? I don't know. Well, I would think that they should be confident with these guys in the net because, like you said, Campbell is very experienced and he's a veteran goalie at this point, and Skinner has been really, really good. So I would hope that they have some sort of confidence, but the part of the problem is that I've seen from the defense is that the system, once it falls apart, which it does after like a like a lot of forechecking, a lot of the cycle, sometimes your system falls apart, they cannot get it back together. Mm. Like once one guy's out of position, they're absolutely fucked. Everybody's scrambling. Nobody knows what the <laughs> fuck's going on. People are flying all over the place. And then that just results in missed coverage because now nobody knows who's covering who. And you end up with a guy like Lars Eller who was wide open in front with nobody there yeah. last night against Washington. Yeah, I saw a couple of those those goals against Washington. Like even the just the the back check and like the lack of no one picking up that third guy you should not be able in the NHL to put a drop pass that sits in the slot for like two seconds to score a goal like that yeah if you make a play like that it should always end up like uh Blake Como's breakaway from 10 years or so ago where he was on a breakaway and spun around and passed back and nobody was there (laughs) And he just looked like a fucking idiot. And that's what should happen. Yeah. But instead, everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off and expect <laughs> it to all work out for some reason. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that that answers our question. <laughs> well, um, but anyways, I digress. You guys go uh, give a listen to the Quack Report. Uh, thanks, Carter, for the question. If you guys want to hear anything, if you have any topics, send them our way. We'd love to get more, uh, at least do like one a week kind of thing where we're debating something that uh, you have and share your thoughts with the question. Like, I love that uh, we have something to to build off of. But I think this is a perfect segue into the defense because I have noticed some blunders. It's recency bias, but last night, holy fuck. It's not recency bias when it's been happening well, all yeah, season. Yeah. Granted, I didn't watch too much of the Montreal game, but there was three distinct three distinct miscues that I noticed in last night's game, and it all started happening in the third. Now, is it because you're giving up like 40-plus shots to um, Washington at this point, or is it because you're you're panicking trying to take uh, take a lead? But it started with the... Uh, um, there, there's a face-off in the uh, Washington end, and the puck was heading towards the point, and Kulak couldn't decide whether to commit to the puck. And I feel like there's some sort of offensive push with this defense coaching system, whatever you want to call it, because there's more guys jumping in on rushes. You see guys trying to pinch more often. I don't know if Kulak's that guy. And you could see him kind of hesitate in his step, and that allowed, I forget who it was on the breakaway, just to chip it past him, and he was gone. And so that happens. Then you have Cody Cece. Um, basically throwing a pizza east-west right up the middle while everybody's waiting to like clear the zone in for a two-on-one. And then ultimately the Kulak like trying to pinch again and he's bobbling the puck. Like, I wonder if they're trying to force like unnatural play into these players' games and it's... I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it certainly seems that way. And like from an outside perspective, 
I would like Kulak not to be doing much pinching because his primary partners that he is playing with are Bouchard and Barry, right. who are way better at that than he is. And I understand that pinching sometimes is part of how to play like defense or a defenseman in the offensive zone to keep the puck alive. But the amount of times it's not working for him is getting a little ridiculous because Kulak has got this contract. He should be <laughs> he should be our second pairing. Like he should be our cement guy. He should yeah. be the guy who's always there playing consistently every night. He should be the hymen of our defense. And yet instead you are getting like the Pugliarvi of our defense where he just seems to have plays die on his stick all the time because he's overthinking it or he's making a bad read or something like that. Yeah. I want to like Kulak and don't get me wrong. I loved him last year, but he's really struggling, but it's more of a thing for our whole system because you mentioned Cody Cece. Like at what point do you take him off that first pairing? Whether or not nurse has struggled is irrelevant. If Cece's also struggling. Yeah. Like Cece's making, you, you think of that kind of brain dead play that he made in, where the where the frick was that? Where the puck came right off the? Uh, um, can you tell I'm trying not to swear anymore? Uh, <laughs> it, it was against Chicago. It was on the, the I think this the last um, goal right after the power play goal that made it four uh, three. They win the draw back to CC and he skates right in front of the fucking net. Like what are you doing? Man, I honestly don't know what is going on with Take the defense. Take the two steps, go around the net, use it as a barrier, fucking Teddy Peckham it off the glass and out. Like, what What the fuck are we doing? I, I It's a weird mix where the defense is more confident than they should be. Yeah. They like, Interesting. like we're talking about the pinches and everything like that. They're making these plays like they're like playing great. They're making smart plays, but they're not. Well... You look at that, and then you compare it with our penalty kill and kind of the approach we've taken there. Is is it the coach's, like, opinion that if we just fucking, like, run and gun this team that we're going to win? Well, I would start to think that they might feel that way when you keep seeing McDavid on the penalty kill over right. and over and over again. And to be fair, it did work last night. Yeah. And maybe the PK is so bad that they're like, fuck it, let's just try to score. <laughs> because if we can score, then at least we can break even on this power play. Because they're probably going to score their own. But if we score one too, then we're good to go. It's not a bad, not a bad approach. But as I mean, long it's as not a can... good approach. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to try something. As long as we're going one for one, because I think we got scored on that same power play McDavid scored on, right? Shorthanded. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course. Of course, is the tic tac toe goal that uh, that was another one where Barry's like over committing to. Ovechkin, I don't know. Maybe because the team's struggling so much and all of these games are so high scoring that like the defense is under a microscope and we're just noticing every little error that everybody is making. But can you name a defenseman who <laughs> is on this team that you haven't been like, what the fuck are you doing? I was just going to ask you right now, if you were to make an I trust list out of the six to eight guys that we've had this season, is there anybody that you have written in pen? No. Of yeah. course not. And like last season, it was like CC and Kulak were probably the two I had penciled in. I was like, okay, like these guys are very steady. I trust them. They're playing like well. And I think we pumped CC's tires all like yeah. during the playoffs where he's that quiet, steady presence. 
where you don't notice him because he's not making those mistakes. He's not making the flashy plays, but he's not making the mistakes. And somehow he's got away from that in his game, and he keeps making terrible plays, trying <laughs> to be flashy or something to make up for his defensive errors. Yeah. So this kind of brings me to my question about the whole incident with Bouchard against Washington. Obviously, they didn't love um, most of his game, and then I can see how they're they're picking on him for that um, game-winning goal, but to bench a guy like Bouchard in a one-goal game like that where everybody else has been, like, dog shit, what are you trying to send a message for? feels pretty pointless to pick on Bouchard in that moment. Like, for one, because that whole, like, him fucking up was only because Kulak fucked up so hard that he had to make up for Kulak's fuck up, and he just <laughs> didn't. So it just turned into a double fuck up. See, I'm trying to swear. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking with that. Like, especially with defensemen, there's not a lot of them, so I'm not a big fan of benching them unless it's, like, a clear-cut case of them sucking. Like, let's just say Samarukov last year where he gave up two goals against in his first two shifts and he was on yeah. the bench for the rest of the game. Like, I don't agree. And especially, like you said, in a one-goal game where we're behind, like, having our, I will say, our best offensive defenseman on the ice is needed in those situations. Like, at that point, you run Nurse Bouchard and Kulak and Barry, and you, like, everybody else rides the pine until the game's tied. Yeah. You know what's actually kind of funny? I was thinking about this. The one guy who's made the least amount of noise, but that has been the most kind of steady Eddie that we have is Philip Broberg. Well, he hasn't played that many games, to be fair. True, but I, but just, he, he like, just hasn't had the chance to make <laughs> me mad yet. That's what it is. But, yeah, I do agree that Broberg has been probably our steadiest. He had, I'm not going to say he's been our best defenseman, no. but he's been the quietest, which I will always say I want out of my defenseman is a nice, quiet game. Well, especially when you have a team that can put up as many goals like the Oilers, right? Like, yeah, like if you can finish a game like plus two, like zero stat lines, a few hits, maybe a shot or two as like a third-pairing defenseman, I'm like, chef's kiss, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, I but that's what that's I do agree with you that there's nobody on this defense I trust right now. And at this point, I don't think a single trade for an Eric Carlson like we talked about is going to change that. Yeah. To be fair, Eric Carlson is one of those players who can change the identity of a de- of a defense on his own, but he's not going to bring that defensive presence that we need. And I'm not sure who's available out there who could do that. Yeah, we've written down a couple different of the trade targets that have been uh, mentioned in the past week, of course. It's starting to come out now that the Oilers are, are coveting um, Carlson, trying to see what they can do. Uh, I just don't see a scenario where Ken Holland wins that trade. Probably but, not. Like, odds are a guy on the tail end of his career, unless you can get double retention on it or something like mm-hmm. that, and manage to only give up a single first. And, like, like I think we mentioned Pugliarvi and Barry. Like, at that point, you might win in the short term. Yeah, But certainly, I think regardless, you're not winning that trade in the long term. Well, so that brings me up to a guy who's in town on Saturday, Joel Edmondson. Um, a lot of rumors. He was, he was a reliable defenseman in uh, um, St. Louis. Uh, I know that they, they put some heavy minutes on him. but He's the only defenseman who remains on that uh, roster who was on the cup run. All the other ones are gone. What do you mean? Like Weber, for- Petrie, when they went, uh, Montreal made it to the oh, finals. He was oh, the, oh, oh, yeah. the lefty on that. Right. Yeah. And 
Yeah, everybody else is gone. He's the only one who's left. <laughs> what a turnover for Montreal. But yeah, I don't know. The the early indications of what they're asking for, I, I heard Barry, Pugliarvi, a third, a fourth, a first round pick, like for wow. Joel Edmondson. At this point, it's all rumors. Right. But yeah, yeah I would, I'd be hesitant to give up a, a lot because like similarly, Joel Edmondson isn't going to change this defense. And I think it boils down to the system itself because every defenseman is struggling. And well, like I know we're talking about rumors now, but like at what point do you look at Josh or sorry, not Josh Manson, Dave Manson's system that he has in place for these defensemen? Yeah. Because there's something going on that these, def- like none of these guys played this poorly last year. Like, yes, our defense has never been great, mm-hmm. but they haven't been this bad where we need to score five goals to make up for it every, every single fucking game. I, oh, I hate using the Duncan Keith example, but I don't think there's a leader on that back end. And like Nurse should be that leader, right. but there's something going on, like we've said. Like so. there's no one who's the captain of the defensive team that's, you know, willing. Not I shouldn't say willing because they're probably all willing, but it's just who has that experience and knows what it takes to dig deep and realize when things are going wrong to to step up and you know, make a change or sit down and talk to a young guy. Like it, it's funny when we looked at the start of the season, all the, the people that we're looking forward to, like just we're so excited about Broberg. Everybody had their eyes on Broberg. It's been meh. And it's funny. We look at now him being steady. We're happy with. You well, look, and I would have always been happy with that yeah. back then. He like at the beginning of the year, but like Nima Linen was kind of my dark horse to, to step up. And I'm kind of disappointed with the, uh, like the play that we've seen from him so far this year. But, I mean, what do you expect? Like, what's to expect? Well, at the same time, we can't look at these guys as our lords and saviors, as rookies playing on the third pairing to come in and save the defense because at most they're going to be playing like 15 minutes a night and not really get a chance to make the impact that we would hope that they have. Yeah. I just – the other thing, and I'll just finalize my thoughts with the defense here is – um, I know we touched on the rumors a little bit here, but Ken Holland never makes trades these earlies. Um, he, I would hope early. he would consider it. Well, yeah. Another defenseman to consider um, is Gavrikov out of Columbus. Right, yeah. That's one that I've looked at a couple times that I feel pretty good about. Um, he's he's making a, a decent chunk of change. I think he's at like two and a half or something. I don't have it up in front of me. Mm. But... He'd be a very solid defenseman in our bottom two pairings to help maybe ease some of the pressure on the younger guys like Bouchard and Broberg and Niemelainen. Yeah. It does feel like we're trying to put a lot of pressure on a really young decor to kind of step up. And usually it's like one or two people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. step up and make that next big push. But it feels like every single person on this defensive core, they're asking to take that step forward. And just as a collective... I don't know if there's any one person that they can rely on. I don't know. Well, it feels like doom and gloom, but it's... Well, this is why I didn't want to blame Campbell for like the reason why we're losing. Because it's a lot easier to blame the eight guys who are struggling on defense than the one guy who's struggling in goal. And yes, goal is the most important position, but those eight, eight guys aren't doing anybody any favors. Yeah, they're not helping them out, but uh, Campbell's just as, having just as much of a bad time as the defensemen are. Of course. But... Uh, yeah it's been a lot of negative talk we're 27 minutes into this podcast there's a lot of positive things going on i mean we're above 500 so there should (laughs) in theory be 
like maybe an extra 10% positive talk than negative talk. So, yeah, I, but I mean, we want to finish with the positive stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening up front too. I mean, the defense, when we suck, it's usually a defensive issue. Lately it has been for yeah. the past, what, 12 years? <laughs> I was expecting something much less term. <laughs> no, we haven't had the good defense in a very long time. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of positives, um, up front too, like McDavid and Drysaitel. I mean, they're kind of to blame for this what's going on their own end too. But um, the difference is they can outscore their yeah their defensive woes. I, they're just putting pucks at a clip that is just it's insane. It's insane. Well, McDavid, like every single game, he's flying out there and he's getting like great chance after great chance. And honestly, at least in the offensive zone, he's like wearing his heart on his sleeve and trying his heart out every single time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see that stat in the Washington game where they're talking about his breakaway uh, execution as well. But they. At this point, I didn't see the stat, but I would assume that it's very high because every time he gets a breakaway, I just assume it's a goal. Well, yeah. So 2017, 2018 was the most attempts he had. He had 17 breakaway attempts and scored one goal. Okay, okay. This year, he's three for three. Like, it's, I'm surprised he hasn't had more breakaways yeah, this year. Yeah, so I wonder if that was before and they just missed the uh, the goal against uh, Washington. But, um, yeah, he's he's putting in pucks. He should have 82 breakaways clip. a year. Yeah. <laughs> at least a breakaway a game, honestly. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like a clean break. I wonder how they they came up with those um, uh, those stats. But yeah, like Leon and Connor. It's funny. I saw when they were playing Montreal that the uh, it was the battle of two guys carrying a team against another <laughs> team that has two guys carrying the team. To but, be fair, though, McDavid, I think he's had a couple woes in the defensive zone, but easily outscoring all of his mistakes. Um, Drysaddle, he still looks off this mm. year. Like, I don't know if you noticed in the last two minutes of the game uh, against Washington, he was fighting the puck constantly. Well, holy fuck, they were on the ice for two and a half minutes. Yeah, I, like, I, I realize that, but every single time he had the puck, like, on his stick, he was overskating it, const- or underskating, I guess. The puck would get way ahead of him, and he would just, like, fall behind it and couldn't keep up. Maybe it's because he was so tired, but... Yeah, I, I definitely saw towards the end, too, especially with the, the clock running out, um, as soon as he got the puck on his stick, he wasn't looking anymore. It was just like, I'm driving this to the net. Yeah. Um, again, it could be fatigue, could be something else. But yeah, I, I have seen that a little bit lately. So does, like, I hate that we have to run those guys so hard when we're losing. Mm. Because essentially, like, let's say it's an empty net situation. You have Drysaddle, McDavid, Nuge. Right now, I guess it's Yamamoto and Pugliarvi. And because Hyman was injured. Um, so those are your five forwards on a six on five that you're playing. Well, and they had Holloway out there in the last couple well, of minutes too. And this is what happens with because we're missing Kane, we're missing right. Hyman, we're missing McLeod, we're missing Fogel. We're running out of guys to put out there. So yeah. if those guys have to change, like the next guys coming over the boards are Matthias Yanmark, Devin Shore, Klim Costin. Like nothing against those guys, but I don't want them on the ice while I'm trying to score the game time goal. Fucking the run them in the ground. Remember the last time you ran someone in the ground? They scored like four goals the next week. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I I completely agree. Before I forget about this, I cannot help 
but watch Matthias Janmark play and see Nail Yakupov. The way he skates and handles the puck. There's a there's some bees out there. I can feel that. Oh. Like I, I want to get into Janmark a little bit too because I was rewatching the highlights prior to us recording this and I watched the highlight where he scored in uh, Chicago. Right. And I was like it was a great goal. It was mm-hmm. a really good job. And then uh, he also was huge on Nuge scoring when uh, Pugliarvi hit him out front in that game. But this game, Yanmark was just a fucking mess. Oh, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on there, but he was just, like you said, he had Yakupov Yakupov. <laughs> Every time he had the puck, it looked like he was just panicking the second he touched it and he would give it away. Yeah. So he's too busy swatting the bees. <laughs> I didn't know what you initially meant by that, but I follow now. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Uh, he's good when he seems to have a, a bit of like step in his game, but you can tell like when he's just not there. Well, I think part of it is he's playing above his pay grade, to say the least, playing on the second line. And in a perfect world, he is, if we're healthy, he's not even on the roster. Yeah. With like the way the left wingers all stack up with what is it Kane, Nuge, Fogel, and then I guess Holloway. So like really, Yanmark is completely out of his element, and I feel bad for him, but he cannot do what he has been doing. That was it was an embarrassing night for him. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough tough uh, game for him. I'm just looking back on my notes and trying to pick up some other forwards that uh, impress me. <sighs> Okay, so the discussion on Pugliarvi, I've been trying to find things. Yes, he's not putting up like as many points as we need him to do. Yes, he's making $3 million, million but uh, the, he's got the stats to show that the team scores more when he's playing with elite players. Um, there's some times where you kind of wish the play didn't end um, on his stick like they have, but I think the Chicago game might have been his best game of the year. Um, the, the pass that he made, um, to Nuge to get his goal. And then one other thing that I think is like really like predominant in Pugliarvi's game this year is he's finishing checks that are knocking guys off the puck. And it led to that Yanmark goal, like where he goes, he pinches and he cleans up that man along the half wall there. And the defenseman kicks it up and it's gone like two on one. Like it's these things where. I'm not comfortable with him playing on the top line just because we've got to try something else. But I I think he's still a top six player. Credit where credit is due. Pugliarvi, his physicality this season yeah. has been fantastic. And can I just before you finish? Yeah, go ahead. Right now, top six. <laughs> True. <laughs> with our unhealthy top yeah. six. But like, yeah. Credit where credit's due, he's been quite good physically. I've really enjoyed the physical edge to his game, especially when he's mixing it up, somehow pissing everybody off, and he just looks baffled every time, like, what the fuck did I do? Um, So I've really liked that about his game. His defensive game has been pretty solid. Um, But like you said, I don't really want him on the top line if he's not going to put up the numbers. Like, I understand his analytics are better up there and other people's analytics are better, but... I don't know. It's the the eye test, I guess, sure. mixed with analytics. Like the eye test, he fails miserably. Oh yeah. Like as soon as he has the puck, it just doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree with you there. Um, the only other person that I had lit up was um, 
Costin. I mean, I, I'm just such a huge fan. Uh, I think he brings an element that the Oilers haven't had in a long time. Um, I don't know. Like, this is the scenario where I kind of wish he would get more of a bump up the lineup. I've liked the way Costin has played. And with our injuries right now, I wouldn't be opposed to bumping him up in the lineup. But in a perfect world, like, he should never leave the fourth line. I would agree, yeah. Because he just doesn't have the offensive instincts to go past that. And I I do really want him on the team, though, because especially with Kane out, I could tell that our team gets pushed around quite a bit. Nobody seems to want to step up and be that guy. Like, Nurse is the only one who I've seen maybe kind of do it. But with the amount of times he somehow takes a stupid penalty when he tries to do that, um, I'd prefer he does not. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've liked the way Costin has played. He's like once again similar to Pluto Yarvi. He's very physical, um, and that's an aspect we really, really miss on this team. Like that's if uh, Tyler Benson can bring that like heavy gain that he has with him, Costin, and then I'm trying to think on the top of my head, pick a centerman to float Either that line. Ryan Shore or Holloway, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that could be a very solid fourth line for the Oilers. I would say so, yeah. I'd be very happy with that. And I'd like to see more from Benson since he's been back. I understand he came back from an injury. Um, But with how good his preseason was, I think he has a lot to give, and I still really want to see it. And I hope he takes advantage of that before this team gets healthy because he might be able to pencil himself into that fourth line if he does well enough. Yeah. Uh, But... With that being said, the elephant in the room is the injuries, and we've got a lot of them. But uh, starting with probably the most apparent uh, was was Zach Hyman. I I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, Obviously, I didn't watch a lot of the Montreal game, but um, like last night was very apparent that Zach Hyman wasn't in the lineup. Yeah, it was very obvious. Well, in the Montreal game, it's uh, I think it was Edmondson who drove him into the boards. So I'm wondering if it was just he might have got a concussion from that. Mm. And maybe his symptoms didn't come up until later and maybe just before the game when they were doing some skating. Right. I don't want to assume that it's a concussion or anything, but hopefully it was just a maintenance day that he needed. So, But yeah, him being out of the lineup, holy shit, it shows. <laughs> and it makes me wonder why these players who are like middling middle six kind of forwards like you look at a Yamamoto you look at a Pugliarvi you and this is just on this team like Fogel these guys should be looking to Hyman and the way he plays and emulating that to a T every single game yeah because Hyman is able to do so much with I'm not going to say he's not talented but with so much less talent than some of the other players because he's willing to do the work to get there. And I think that's why he gets a lot of Ryan Smith comparisons. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's why I think, I believe in one of the last podcasts or a previous podcast, you told him he's the modern Ryan Smith of this team. <laughs> and that's why everybody loves him. Yeah. And like you think a guy like like the guys I mentioned would look at that and be like, everybody loves this guy. Maybe I should try playing like that. And maybe I'll be loved too. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely the heartbeat of this team. Um, obviously, you've got Kane down. It, glad to see him back on the ice. Hey, he's skating. It's great to see. He's even shooting the puck, which is kind of mind-boggling to me, but it's a good sign that it was nothing more than really than a deep cut on his arm at the end of the day. Yeah. He managed to avoid a lot of serious injury with that one. Very, very lucky. Yeah. 
Um, another crucial piece, uh, Ryan McLeod. And from what I've heard, it sounds like two to five weeks. And that was from Rashog. Okay. So that's that, that is a painful loss, honestly. Yes. McLeod's flexibility and how he plays in every single situation for this team, like he's on par with Hyman with how much I feel like we miss him right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like you had mentioned, his versatility is something that this team, like you don't really have a guy who can play center, like uh, akin to Nuge, but like I would give kind of Ryan McLeod the go-ahead right now. Um, yeah, it, it just sucks. But we we were lucky enough to get Yamamoto back in the lineup in uh, – what was it? Washington his first game back. Yeah. yeah, I just hate that the second we get Yamamoto back, Hyman's out. Yeah, so, uh, there's always four of our top nine injured. Like it's not doing ourselves any favors. Well, you got to wonder too what this team looks like with a full roster because I don't think we've seen one game like that this year. Well, I think the beginning of the year we had a full roster. Did we yeah, not? Yamamoto was out. Was he out at the very beginning yeah, of the year? Because he had that preseason injury. Oh, you're right. So. And then Benson was hurt too. Yeah, like you got to wonder, like what does this team really look like when you have. 12 healthy forwards. My biggest concern about it is that we have no injuries on defense. <laughs> so we're sitting, we were sitting here to shit talking the defense and it's not like we can sit here and be like, Oh, just you wait until like nurse is back. It's like, Oh wait, he's been playing this whole time. <laughs> like fuck. But yeah, our, our depth is struggling because they are playing above their pay grade because of these injuries. Yeah. And that's to say two Fogel's out and he has been playing very, very well this year. And it makes me very sad that he's injured right now because if there's anybody who might have taken more advantage of these injuries with all these guys out, it was Fogel. Yeah, like I had mentioned the uh, um, the opportunity, or pardon me, you had mentioned, like that would be a guy that you'd think would step up. And when you mentioned about how uh, when you're looking to someone to emulate the the effort that Hyman puts in, you got to put Warren Fogel as number two. Like yeah, right well, behind I th- Hyman. I feel like Fogel has maybe been doing that, mm. has been trying to emulate some of the hustle that Hyman brings. Because Fogel, he has all of the tools. He just needs to kind of put it together with the effort sometimes. Because last season, I felt like he was coasting a lot. To be fair, he was stuck on the fourth line and not give, being given much of a chance with Tippett. But now that Woodcroft's become more familiar with him, he seems to be very confident in what Fogel can bring. So... I really, we really just need all these guys back at the end of the day. <laughs> what a healthy roster would look like. Could you imagine? I mean, let's, let's just scope it out real quick. What a healthy roster would look like. Let's say it's Kane, McDavid, Hyman. We have Nuge, Drysaddle, Yamamoto. You have Fogel, McLeod, Pugliarvi. And then let's just say Benson, Holloway, Costin. Yeah. And that leaves like Shore and Ryan as our no, extra Jan four Mark. Yanmark's down, Malone's down. Yeah. Um, any other notable guys down? I can't remember who's trying on to think team. off the top of my head. Yeah. <sighs> my brain. Hamlin's down. Hamlin. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you, you nailed the top 12 there. Um, but I guess we'll see. Um, looking ahead to next week, uh, the Oilers tomorrow night. Uh, well, tonight, as you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> the Oilers will be playing Arizona. Finally, a freaking little bit of a homestand. What time is the game at tomorrow? It is at 7.30. 7.30 on Wednesday. 
uh, Friday night against the Wild. That's a 7 p.m. I'll take a Friday night 7 p.m. game over a 2 p.m. Saturday game any See, day that's of the week. nice. Yeah. And then the Oilers have back-to-backs on Monday, Tuesday. So maybe we'll get our horses together and actually record on a Sunday so that we're uh, not having to wait till Wednesday to put the next podcast out. Yeah, it's looking like a Sunday release next week, I'm thinking. Yeah. So uh, any anything else off the top of your head? Um, I don't have anything else. I know we were talking about rumors with defensemen. Yeah. Um, but there's also been some rumors with forwards. There has been a lot of stuff floating around Max Domi, especially. Um, I'm not against that per se, but def- our forwards aren't our problem. Right. Like, we need to figure out the defense. And I don't think Max Domi is a defensive forward who's going to help solve <laughs> that that issue. Well, it depends how you want to play, I guess. Let's I put just, let's put Domi on defense. That sounds like a great idea. I just I feel like this team has only so many bullets in the gun that they want to use in terms of trading um, for players, and I think the like the whole league knows the situation the Oilers are in, and so you can bend them over backwards to get what you want. Well, is Holland gonna let that happen? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't so. know, but uh, I'm just scrolling through my notes here. Reed Schaefer was named to the World Junior roster selection camp. Yeah, the only so, Oiler rep. Congrats to him. I'm excited to watch him play. Maybe one they'll of, throw him on Bedard's wing, and that'd be super fun. One of the only actual Alberta reps I saw. It's yeah, it's small. Alberta doesn't have a lot of people out there. Yeah. At least that, maybe all the Albertans are in the NHL already. <laughs> it does Maybe. <laughs> Try to be optimistic, I guess. Um, but I think that's all I really got from my notes here. Yeah. I uh, I like this. It, it'll kind of get us away from <laughs> jumping in, analyzing every single play. Um, there's people that get paid way more money to do that than us. Um, and again, just a reminder to you, like, if you have a topic, send it our, our way. Put your thoughts in. We'll give you a shout out. Um, so thanks again, Carter, for that. Uh, make sure you guys go check out the Quack Report. Um I think that's it. Hey, Sean. Yeah, I think that's all we got. All right. See you next week.